Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk over the Philip Crosby on this edition of Celebrate 98, brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. TNCiderCompany.com. Use the promo code HAT. Get some free swag with your latest order. You can get that cider just about anywhere in the United States of America. With Fred White, I'm Dave Hooker, joined by another VFL. And this one uh, is, is definitely one that we wanted to talk to fullback. Philip Crosby. Fred, introduce this uh, young man. He's got the Tennessee cap on. You've got orange on. It still bleeds through after 25 years from a national championship. But, Philip, first of all, that doesn't sound right, does it? Because that's when I went to school. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. It, it, it seems like it was just yesterday, but definitely uh, it's, it's got a little window of time that we've had, but it feels like yesterday. Special time for us, that's for sure. Fred, what can you tell us about Philip? I can tell you, he came from North Carolina. When we walked into campus, we were like, okay, that's a fullback. He, he, he got some size to him. He, he got some shape to him. That's some soft hands. I'm like, okay, let's see what he looks like when he, when he gets on the football field. And then, you know, he showed up. Yeah. We had two fullbacks, man, that were amazing. We had a Sean Bryson, who was really a running back. And then you got Phil. Phil was the thumper, and Phil had hands, too. And Phil could do everything we needed him to do. Very smart football player. Not just on the football field, but also off of it. And, you know, what he's doing with his life now shows you that. Yeah, are we are we talking to the two hardest-hitting skill position players on the 98 football team right now? Oh, hands down. Is that right, Deuce? <laughs> hands down. <laughs> I, I would love to say that too, but I'm playing <laughs> the ball is right now, Thompson. So I'm. Oh, I'm by far, by far. <laughs> I'm well, by far. I, I I guess it depends on what you think of skill position players. I, I think of uh, linebackers being a little a little more in the box. You were in the box too, but yeah. Um, yeah. Did you guys ever go at it one on one in like the Tennessee drill? No. Oh, uh, no, not that I not that I recall. Not me and Phil. Not me and yeah. Phil. Yeah, it was the linebackers, though. 
<laughs> linebackers, yeah. Uh-uh. I, I wasn't trying to go that. Listen, he had a few, he had a few pounds on me. I'm gonna stay up here with these linebackers. I'm gonna stay up here with these wide receivers and these and, uh, and tight ends, man. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we had to take care of our secondary. We didn't need them uh, too hurt up. We needed them to shut down any pass and air attacks. So those boys were phenomenal at what they did, and we didn't need any any our secondary hurt up by no means. But you know. I'm still trying to figure out that bit. I may have made a tackle on the field, but I don't remember. I don't recall many. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah, I don't remember any square ups where coach said, All right, Deuce, yeah, 21 against number two. It was never anything like that. So uh if anything, it might have been just an uh, orange and white game or something like that where you know we might have squared up and thudded up and you know it was a mutual respect across the board because you know yeah, we knew who our cream was and we didn't want to hurt the hurt the crop, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Philip, when did you when did you realize that contact was something you enjoyed about football? Um, it had to be when I was in the ninth grade, my ninth grade year. I didn't start football until the ninth grade. So prior to me getting into the game of football, I was into skateboarding and BMX and anything else other than football. And so it was it wasn't until my eighth grade year, uh, I finally just decided, hey, I'm going to go play some football. I realized all the kids in the neighborhood were not around, and I, I never understood it. My mom was like, well, you do realize that, you know, once, once they get home from school, it's homework, and then most of them go right off to practice. And I said, uh, football practice? She's like, yeah. She said, so if you want to go out and try out for the team, then go out there. So I went out, and the coach was like, hey, you got, you're a good-looking kid. You know, have you played before? I said, no, sir, I never played. He says, is this your first year? I said, yep. He said, well, I'll tell you what. You're doing everything right. You're out here. You're assertive. You're ready to go. He said, the problem is you're three weeks late. I said, what? He said, yeah, we've already done physicals. We've already got our team selected. All of this you have to do, and these are the things that you haven't done. Um, he said, so what I'm going to have to tell you this is I'm going to have to see you next year. <laughs> and so I was, like, thrown back, and I, I came home and told my mom. I said, hey, they've already – uh, administered um, tryouts and team is already solid. I'm three weeks late. She's like, well, I hate that. Uh, she's like, what are you going to do now? I said, well, if y'all don't mind, I'm going to go out here and cut down about an acre worth of trees and I'm going to build my own obstacle course. And that's where it all started. So to answer your question, Dave, about where did I start finding the love to hit? I think the moment when I was uh, putting on my mom's, she had these old cushions and I used to thud up against a pine tree. And the moment that I kept thudding, I kept getting my body acclimated to what it feels like to be to give a hit versus taking a hit. So I was always giving a little sapling a nice thud, just trying to mimic the game of football. So that's where it all started with me, hitting a tree, believe it or not. And then that led to me creating an obstacle course in my own backyard, me working for the whole year to make sure I made that uh, ninth grade team without any hesitation. And then when I went out there, it was straight thump deal. So I was out there just – taking on the best that they had. So they, I never forget the, the, the head coach uh, from the previous year was there as a head coach too. And he said, hey, man, uh, I'm glad you, you came back out for the whole year. He said, uh, looks like you've been training. You definitely got some size on you. He said, we're going to put you right in the Oklahoma drill and see what you're made of. So they put me against the biggest guy on the team. Uh, his name was Big Mac. And uh, at the time, he was about 250 pounds as a ninth grader. And, uh, and I was just a little – you know, scrappling. And uh, I just never forget when the coach blew the whistle, I ran right through him and went on to the next guy. 
And he said, that right there is our player. He's our player. He's our linebacker to start, and he's going to be our fullback to finish. And that's where it all started for me. Ninth grade. Now I understand why it was so hard to bring Phil down. Hitting <laughs> 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 trees, man. Yeah, yeah. And I got a feeling these weren't saplings. I got a feeling these were these were big trees. Um, it was de- they were decent size. They were decent size. Because <laughs> I actually made I actually made a few of them. Um, I had dumbbells. I made dumbbells out of out of some of the, the logs. I made uh, kind of a bench press, my own makeshift bench press, and then I had my own obstacle course. Um, I had my own sweat bags uh, out of 55-gallon uh, trash bags. So my whole year was just predicated on me just getting what I needed to do to be a football uh, player for the following year and not be denied to not make the team going forward. That is – that's an, that's one of the most amazing stories that I've ever heard. That is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like all my – I got a couple of buddies that have wrote, wrote books and stuff in the past and and they're like, Phil, you know, whenever you're ready, man, you need to share that story. Because he said, there's a lot of young kids out here in today's time. They don't know the work and the work ethic that you guys and some of you guys in your tier, in your, in your uh, teams, went through in terms of work and diligence and just getting after it. He said, think about it now. Kids are handed a silver spoon nowadays. He said, so that story would be an opening, shining beacon for somebody that might be in the same situation as you or just wondering what do they need to take and you're a prime example of what it takes for hard work and dedication. Maybe that, that's we, need, something I, we need to talk about that. <laughs> that's future. something that, that's real. Like uh, you watch the guys now, hey man, y'all got a lot of things that are just ready made for you. And Absolutely. I can recall doing the same. Well, I didn't. I didn't cut down the trees. I, I did, I did, <laughs> but I ran through. A, I used to run through a cornfield. My grandfather had you know acres of land. We had a cornfield. Yeah. I remember having to go and. He was a tiller. If we didn't have a tractor, he was a tiller and yep. till the ground and stuff like that. But I used to also run through that cornfield. When we were trying to, you know, chop down those stalks for the next year, I would run through with my arms wide out and knock down as many of them as I could and come yep. back, you know, down the line and do the same thing. But that was the part of my workout. Not only yep. that, I had to push a lawnmower. All that land, I could not get on the ride lawnmower. That was my grandfather's job. I had to push. So I use it as a workout. Every Saturday yep. morning, I, this is my workout. Yep. So yeah, it, th- those things were different. And we, we did the, we did things the way that people used to say, well, y'all didn't really train like we train now. Yeah, we did. We did the same yeah. things y'all doing. We just didn't pay nobody yep. to do it. Didn't pay nobody to do it. That's right. <laughs> yep. We didn't pay anybody to do it. And we actually uh, were, we were, um, in, you know, we had a, intuitive mind to basically say, you know what, we're going to engineer a way to make this happen. Like, I know exactly. I can't pay anybody. My mom can't get me all the way across town to, to get with that specialist. So I'm going to create something that's going to be uh, very useful for my development. And that's, hey, we just had to be, you know, smart about it. Try to figure something exactly. out. That's what you have to do. So you were very innovative. Yes, very innovative. There you go. Yep. Sp- speaking of hard-hitting and corn, um, yep. I've talked to Fred a lot. <laughs> About the uh, the Nebraska game, those oh. uh, Cornhuskers back in uh, ninety seven, the ninety seven season, that was before the the ninety eight national championship season, of course. But yeah. Fred's told me so much about uh, how that toughened you guys up because things didn't exactly go your your way that day for the balls. No, they didn't go that. They didn't go the way we had it planned. I tell you, we had. Um, 
we had a different vision <laughs> for that game. I mean, we, we really thought we was going to go and, uh, and turn, you know, those corn huskers into cornbread, and it just didn't work out for us. I mean, we actually got a rude awakening. That was a rude awakening for our program, um, our coaching staff, our strength staff especially, um, because you know as well as I do, Fred, I mean, our whole workout program was kind of somewhat predicated off of the Nebraska Cornhuskers and their workout regimen, Olympic style lifting. Mm-hmm. But we, we, it's almost like we thought we did it at the highest level, and we felt like we were so prepared and ready to go on and take on uh, someone like the, the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers and their talent level, especially their own front. You know, their own front um, linemen were so big for our defensive linemen. It wasn't that they were that much bigger. It's just their technique and their strategy was just absolutely yeah. eliminating our, our speed. Like, we had so much speed on our defense. And I was like, well, there's no way these boys are going to be able to put a hand on our defensive front. But I was just shocked with the skill and the technique that they used to slow down our guys. We had power. We had speed. But, man, those boys were just finesse. They weren't the fastest, but, man, they were so smart that once they engaged on you, zone blocking up to the linebackers, I, they were able to get hands on some of our fastest linebackers that I didn't think would ever happen. But that's, yeah. all, that's all because of the way that they structurally went about doing their physique and their fitness, but their technique. Their technique was just sound. And that's what ended up knocking us off uh, out of the box. And then for me, on the offensive side, going against their defense, I mean, their defense, we didn't think they was going to be able to stay, stay a candle with us. But just the technique and the, the way that those boards form fit, they never gave up a gap protection. Um, everybody was always in a, in a spot. If they missed a tackle, they had two or three guys right there in the same spot. So they were just on their game, and they definitely woke us up. We really thought we had our mindset on, like I said, turning them into a little bit of cornbread and coming out with a big victory like we intended on it. But, man, we, we really woke up once we realized, man, those boys just absolutely knocked us around, and they took away our strength, which is our speed and our size, and they put us in a different format. Hmm. That's uh, it's pretty interesting, Fred. That that we, we talked about the toughness and, and and what that game inspired you guys to be in the off season, but uh, Philip referenced technique and I guess discipline. Football um, was was really the key in in growing in that off season as well as toughness, which you, you guys obviously did. Absolutely, that the offensive line played as a unit too. I mean, they were in step and in sync with each other. Which makes you know, it makes for a better offense, offensive line, and, and they they kind of carried that football team. Now they had some great skill position guys, but their leadership up front and just doing what they were supposed to do, and they would take what you gave them. You know, playing in the SEC and playing against talented guys all the time and having so much talent, sometimes you can get away with making, not being as disciplined because you're just that much better than the next guy, right? And you would see a little, little possibly supposed to go in, the a gap, in, in a you know different gap, but because he was so fast, he could get around a guy on the outside and leave that gap wide open. Well, you can't do that against Nebraska when they're playing with technique like that. You push yourself out of the play, and a few times that happened. And, you know, sometimes they would show you something, and you think, I got it. And now here comes that trap, and boom. You know, they're knocking you out because you don't ran through this gap knowing that you can beat that guy to that punch. Remember, I've said this before, Dave, our coaches used to always tell us, hey, listen, <laughs> if you see something and we call a certain defense, if you go against what we ask you to do, you better be right. Well, in that game against Nebraska, 
Everything we thought we saw ended up getting somebody ear holed. <laughs> it was a different football exactly. game. Different football game. And they had one of the best running backs in the college game at that time, too. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, man, I'm telling you. I mean, I, I was like, look at the talent that's back in this backfield. I mean, oh. they had – well, excuse me, I say one. I, they had two elite backs in the yeah. backfield at that time. So, I'm like – <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like with that, and then of course they had a quarterback do a tandem that was that was strong. I mean, they just mm-hmm. did things right, and it gave our defensive front and our whole defense a fit. And then offensively, it gave us a fit with their defensive front because there were times like Fred said, you think that you had them, had them figured out. We go back in at halftime to make an adjustment, and they make an adjustment on our counterpunch. And I tell you, those boys are just a step ahead of us. They just had a step ahead of us. And uh, their technique format, in my opinion, I felt like speed and, and physicalness, physicality, we had it, but it's just they found a way to slow our speed down. And that just absolutely just kind of, in my opinion, just kind of like sh- shattered us a little bit like, whoa, like we're not used to that. Now we're used to somebody figuring out what, what we have best. And the fact mm-hmm. that they was able to figure it out like that and actually dominate, I think that was our, our situation like, okay. We're gonna get this thing right come next year, and ain't gonna be no hand, ain't gonna be no denying what we're gonna go do as a group and as a team, and uh, and we did it. But yeah, that was a that was a key pivotal point. And I I feel in our whole team growth was that little awakening of getting knocked around by those corn husters, and then going into the new season with okay, we seen what happened, we ain't gonna let that happen again, and that and then the rest is kind of history from there. So so how quickly did your your mind turned to you have to address those concerns and what everybody on Celebrate 98 brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company has said was a very, very physical offseason. I mean, how quickly did you say, we got to take care of those things? I know, and, and Fred may have a little different opinion, but I know offensively, in our, in our, it started like with us in our running back room, we were so on it, like Guys, we're going to step up and be a better. We're going to be the best uh, tandem group in in our in our in our whole conference. We're going to be better. We're going to stand out as running backs. We're going to go out there and actually put a precedence down. If we go do that, I feel like the offensive line is going to do that. The tight end group is going to do that. The receiver is going to do that. The quarterbacks, the linebackers, the, the DBs. So everybody had that mindset that what happened against Nebraska, we weren't going to let that happen. And and Fred, you might be able to, to uh, correlate with this, but it seemed like. Me being an offensive guy, I knew what our defense was going to do as well. So we were all in sync. They were in sync with us, and we were in sync with them. And that's a dangerous combination. When you've got your offense and your defense in sync with each other, enough where people are not just, you know, looking around on the sideline and got their eyes up in the stands. They're watching the game and watching every play uh, in suit because those are the things that we work so diligently and hard on in the offseason with two- and three-a-day practices where – when it came down to it, for us to get back on that grass and get out and start competing against people, man, we were not going to be denied based on what happened the year prior to with Nebraska finishing up the season. And so our special teams, our defense, our offense is all sort of in sync with each other. It was just destined for us to go and actually do what we did, and we did it. You know, I, I, I can't say that. For me, I think it started when Morning Wars started that, that year. Morning runs is five, you know, five thirty in the morning. You better hit foot on the line and ready to go. And I remember, you know, years before we always worked hard at morning runs. 
but I don't recall Mortal Runs being that intense. It was so intense, man. It was like, okay, I don't care what you did the night before. I don't care who you were with. I don't care how tired you are, whatever. When you get here, you give me everything you have. If you don't have anything left, you unless you better find it, you better find it. Because yep. we, we, we better borrow it. Yep. Yeah, you better find it. Because if you don't, if you can't make it past more through morning runs, you can't play on the football field with us. That's right. You just couldn't do it. So it became right. very intense. Morning runs, workouts were harder. And Coach Chavis and Coach Stuckey and all those guys were screaming about Nebraska. And all you yep. can remember is how they whooped your butt. And yep. I got to get stronger. I got to get faster. And yep. then here comes, you know, couple that with the fact that no one is giving us a chance in the spring. They're looking at, okay, well, who's not here? Right. Everyone's looking at who's not here as opposed to who's here. Yep. And that's what we saw. And I think that lit a fuel on a lot of guys' eyes, too. Like, man, they don't even think we're that good. They think yep. we are only good because we, you know, we're only good because we had those guys on our team. Hey, right. man, we did. We lost some of the best football players that ever graced the football field at University of Tennessee. Yep. Pay Madden, Little Little, pay Ted Fair, Marcus Knight. Those are some of the best players that ever played there. I know we lost yep. them. Good. Yep. I get it. But you know what you weren't doing? You weren't focused on the guys that were on that team. And I'm so happy that that was the case because yep. it gave us an opportunity to say, all right, you don't believe in us. Yep. It made us work that much harder. Yep. And Absolutely. I say, well, I say the, the question I have is being a part of the offense – what was the transition like from a Peyton Manning led offense where it was, you're going to rely on one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And then you go to more of a ground-based attack. I want to get Phillip's take on that in 30 seconds. I remind you, use the promo code hat and celebrate 98 is brought to you by Tennessee cider company. You use the promo code hat and you'll get some free swag with any purchase. Pardon me from Tennessee Cider Company. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place with a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found again go to tnsidercompany.com use the promo code hat and you will get some free swag with any order off of tennessee cider company tnsidercompany.com philip i i think it's i think sometimes we just we, we don't really talk about the major transition that your offense went from one year to another. I mean, that's just, we're just talking about January to, you know, preseason or to the first game. So you're talking about seven months. How massive of an overhaul was that with what you did with Peyton and then what you guys did with T, which was more about running the football? Yeah. Well, you know, as a, from an offensive standpoint, what, what was good for us? Everything that we had established from the 97 season was the same in the 98 season. The only difference is they probably took out a few different route running uh, uh, positions, 40, more of a quicker pace versus down the field stuff. But we had the talent from last year 
over to the following year. The difference is we lost Marcus Nash and a few other, but we already had guys filling up those gaps three deep already. You know, receivers that can catch, receivers that can run, guys that can go down the field. So we had a quarterback that could still deliver the same type of throw, athletic, but had a little bit more wheels. He can actually move about a little bit quicker in the pocket. So we didn't change anything. The coaches basically just went with a little bit of a different scheme, kind of disguised it a bit, but they didn't change anything considering that everything that Peyton implemented and what we had as a, as a whole in 97, we just basically brought that same DNA and we worked at it to be more professional about the concept. You know, like if we had a certain run installed, we wanted to make sure that we were sound and running that ball and really getting up on the second second uh, level of the defense. Uh, we wanted to not only just get through the first defense, we want to get to the third defense. We wanted to really make sure that everything that we did in a run form, we wanted to execute it to the fullest. And, I, and we felt like those are the things that we kind of left shy with in the 97 season where we almost had it done, but we lost out on a few things, but it was just the executional phase that the coaches stressed emphasis on and offensively that said, hey, it's not like we're changing a lot, guys. We're just going to execute the things that we've already implemented years prior to. We're just going to try to make better at it. And so that's what we did. We basically had everything installed when I first got here at the University of Tennessee to pretty much when I left. But we didn't do anything drastic. We just basically enhanced what we had and made it that much more special. And so the transition was just really easy. Uh, we had guys implemented and ready to roll. We didn't really lose a lot of our upfront, our offensive front, um, other than a few guys, but we had guys already in position playing at a high level right there with the guys that we lost, you know, like Mercedes Hamilton and Trey Teague. I mean, so we lost a couple of good starters, but man, we had guys to fill right in those guys. Uh, and Spencer Riley over the center, and then of course, you know, moving from there, I mean, which what, still had Clifton on the outside edge. I mean, so we still had some really good, talented athletes to just make up our offensive front. And now it's a matter of going out and executing to the fullest. And uh, we pretty much did that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And Fred, that offseason and the adjustments that Bill talked about certainly worked and what he said was was his favorite game from the 98 season, uh, the Florida game. I think stands out, Fred, for a lot of people, obviously. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I would also say that that spring bled over to summer and also bled over to the football season because I think that the way the spring was done that year, it was all about physicality. Yeah. Nobody had on a green jersey, meaning that, you know, green jersey, which you can't, you couldn't get hit. Yeah. Even the quarterbacks were live. And I think, 
I think that happened. <laughs> that was good <laughs> and bad in some cases, in my opinion, because yeah. I think if you were a young guy and you had never been in live bullets like that, yeah, yeah. That, that was different for you because you were going up against a defense that was literally almost like an NFL defense. We had guys that were going to be playing on Sunday the next, you know, the next year. Um, one of those situations was, and I'm not trying to talk about it, Joey Matthews was a good quarterback, had a good arm. He came in that spring. He came in that spring early from high school. He was the first guy to come in in January. I don't know if he was ready for to go green, no, no green jersey and you can be hit by a college football team, a group of guys who were gung-ho about trying to get after the quarterback. And yeah. I think being an 18-year-old guy, Seeing those live bullets like that could have, I, I think it hurt his, de- his development and his growth because he didn't <laughs> yeah. that type of situation that early. You know, yeah. I don't think he should. I mean, I, I thought they did him a disservice by doing so. And I, I say that because I feel like he could have been a really good quarterback. But those things kind of changed his trajectory of his career. But it, it, that physicality bled over to the summer. And we did all these one-on-one workouts and seven-on-sevens. And then all of a sudden you got the whole football team out there working out with no pads on, then you get to pass and we're pounding each other. And I've been asked this question several times. How do you transition from going from camp to get ready to play, you know, open a week? Man, we were so happy to not be banging up against each other that we were ready for that next group of guys. So with yeah. Syracuse, we played Syracuse. We didn't know how physical we were going to be in that, you know, in that game, but we were. We, I watched a cornerback, Dwayne Goodrich, hit. Rob Conrad, a fullback who was considered, he was an All-American and supposed to be like one of these tough guys. I watched Dwayne Goodrich stick him, like stick him so hard and still made a guy twice the size almost. That physicality changed everything. Then you go into the Florida week. I don't know if it could be different for you, but for me, I didn't really know how good we were because of that Syracuse game. And then we go and I watch Michigan, and Syracuse are playing while we're in the hotel before Florida game. And I'm watching Syracuse beat the crap out of Michigan. It made me realize, man, we're a lot better than what I thought. And we want to go play that Florida game. And you talk about one of the most physical football games we've ever played because that defense they had was amazing. And their offense, you know, they were good too. They, they ran the ball very well and those type of things. That's some tough running backs. But yep. that Game after winning that game, you couldn't tell me we were gonna lose anybody else. Yeah, same here. Same here. I mean, literally, when it that right there, after hearing all the veterans when I first got to the University of Tennessee talk about, you know, the failure to to the Gators, you know, we lost by this. You know, we had the game in hand. You know, we we had two fumbles late in the fourth, or whatever the case may be. In the fact, you know. And so just hearing all the stories about how we can't seem to get past that threshold and then Peyton talking about, you know, hey, man, I was so close. We, you know, we need to get past that threshold. I was like, okay, this is it. We, we, we fell short against Nebraska. Man, we've been getting after it in spring ball. Everybody not really complaining like you said, Deuce. No matter what you did the night before, man, your foot was on that line ready to go prior to 6 o'clock a.m. And, man, everybody got after it. It wasn't really nobody complaining. People kind of knew, all right, we're going to be one lock and key, and we're going to really go get this thing done and seize it. And so that that opening game, that Syracuse game, was definitely a defining moment where 
you know, we came within of losing that game. And, man, we showed grit, grind, and we played together as a complete unit, offensive, defense, and special teams, and mm -hmm. got it done. And at that point, I was like, okay, everything that we put forth, all the work that we put in, it's going to pay off this year. We're going to really make something happen. And then whenever that Florida game came about and we did what we needed to do at home, at our house, and the pandemonium took off from there, I said, there's no way we are under, we, we are not going to be denied this year. We're going to go through everybody that there is to come that's going to face us. And even though we might feel like the game is, out, is lost, we're going to find a way to make it happen. And I remember saying that to a bunch of the young guys we had come in from D'Angelo Lord to all of those boys and Kent, Joey Kent. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, um, Jermaine Kent. I remember talking to all those boys, the young guys that came. I said, hey, man, I noticed some of y'all's guys first year. I said, but be passionate about everything you do on and off this field. I said, the veterans that left before us, they left us in a good sta uh, uh, standings of doing something excellent around here. I said, mm -hmm. let's take everything that we've done and everything we've built and let's go get this thing done because we have the most dynamic team to get this thing done right now. And we did that. That that belief, too, um, did you have it in the waning moments of the Arkansas game or were you? I had it then. I had it did then. You? I, was, I did. I really wish. And, and, you know, I look for old video uh, of that game because you can – I don't know. I, I just remember talking to myself multiple times up and down the sideline. And I was talking to a bunch of younger guys. Uh, Diago was right beside me a lot of that game. I just remember talking to them. I was like, man, believe. I said, man, believe. I said, guys, this game is not over with. I was walking. I was pacing up and down the sideline, talking to our offense, talking to anybody I possibly could. I said, hey, this thing's not over with, guys. I said, trust me. I believe in our defense. I said, we got the best defense in the country. Hands down. Bring on your Florida's. Bring on your Florida State. I said, we got the best defense in the country. It's going to happen. I said, our defensive seven is sick in this country right now. We've got the number one uh, defensive se or seven in the country. They're, we're going to get this ball back. Our secondary, hands down, we're going to get this ball back. And uh, I just never forget when it happened, man, I went ballistic. I remember looking at a bunch of the young guys. I was shaking guys. Um, I remember running over there to Billy Ratliff. I said, what I tell you, room dog? Because that was my roommate. Uh, I was shaking, you know, slapping hands with the defensive front, um, the linebackers. Man, I was so excited because I was manifesting. I just kept manifesting it. And like I said, that might have been more than just myself on the sideline, but I just kept talking it up. I really believed that there was no way we was going to lose that game. And, man, everything happened the way it did. And when we got that ball back, Dave, I knew offensively we was going to run it down their throat. And, man, we punched it in their throat. Oh, my God. What better feeling? to know that you have that much confidence going into a game like that, getting the ball back and demoralizing them and their defense and their will. I mean, you could just – we've seen it then. I never forget Coach Former said, hey, it's all about the turnovers, baby. Let's win the turnover battle. And so I just remember when the defense got that ball and we got that ball back offensively, cheese just drug it all down the field on them. And, man, we scored and – the rest was just history. We was able to eat it away, milk it away at that point. But, man, it was a great feeling. And that was kind of like that – so we had that beginning point with Florida, and then we kind of had that middle to three-quarters point with uh, Arkansas. And anything after that, mm -hmm. I was like, hey, bring on the rest. So uh, we're going to finish this thing all the way to the end. Fred, I don't mm -hmm. know if Spencer was joking or not. Uh center at the time we visited with him on the celebrate 98 series brought to you by tennessee cider company but 
uh, I don't know if he was joking, but he said at one point that he just said, we're going to run it here and you're not going to stop us. Absolutely. That's exactly what it was. I mean, coach, coach said, uh, I mean, I think we ran three interior run plays back to back right at him. Never changed it. Never changed the, um, uh, the direction or anything. Uh, and I remember just uh, picking up seven yards. I think cheesy did the first run. It turned into nine. Then we punched in another eight, and then we switched it up right there with another run play. I mean, we, if I'm not mistaken, we ran six run plays in that drive right there and just punched mm-hmm. it right on up in there. Yeah. And um, and I just remember the offensive line. I'll never forget Spencer Riley, especially. He's like, you know, I can't say it on air, but he's like, we're gonna run right through their chest, <laughs> all the way from this start right here, all the way through. Hands down. And I just remember the offensive uh, guys, all of us standing on the sideline before they, you know, went back in. It was actually doing a halftime break. I mean, excuse me, doing a timeout break. But I just remember the offense had it in their eyes. You could just look across the line. I mean, from your offensive line to your secondary guys, your third guys, third string guys, everybody had that desire to, that willingness to say, man, we're really going to do exactly what Spencer said. We're really going to do what the offensive line is saying. We're going to just run this thing right down the throat. And sure enough, um, you know, we did just that. You know, T. Martin told me that story. Uh, he was like, Mr. Spencer Riley goes up to the office, goes to the, to the line of scrimmage, and he looks at the D line and like, we're running the ball right here. Like, you can't stop <laughs> And T. Yep. was like, hey, man, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Like, you can just see their will. Their will was broke, Dave. The moment, the moment Billy Ratliff landed on that ball, you could just see the will yanked out of them and mm-hmm. and the thing about it like for me i knew that i just kept telling myself this is going to happen we're getting this ball back they're not going to score you know they might try to go for a first down here i mean uh try to get a first down but i got to feel like defense is going to pick it off we're going to get a something you know i just knew it and uh and when it all happened and came to fruition and we were able to take advantage of that that the rest was just i was just belated and excited from that point on let me ask both of you guys, is this a good way of putting it that the Florida game gave you belief, but the Arkansas game gave you faith? Because there's a difference. Because for the rest of the season after that Arkansas game, you guys handled business. People can look up the score if they want to in the Florida State game, but that wasn't a close game. Right. Um, it was just like, I, I don't know. It, it was like you were you, – you guys were a different – Watching from afar, you guys seem like a different football team after the Florida game and then another different football team after the Arkansas game. Am I anywhere on base there? Yeah, you're right. You're, you're 100% on base. I, I echo those words because that's how I felt. Uh, even when I talk about it now, I feel like that was like point A, you know, the belief. And then all of a sudden, once we completed that mission, getting through Arkansas, there's that faith like, okay, we're not going to be denied. We're destined to win this season. We're destined to win this whole thing. It's the first year of the BCS. Tennessee balls is coming through. We're kind of like a uh, – we're under the radar. They're not giving us no respect. That's fine because we are who we are. We're all one family, and we're going to come in and stay together. We've been training together, two- and three-day practices. We've been up early in the morning at 5.30, getting, rushing over to get it, to get in line for uh, 6 o'clock a.m. workouts. Like, we, we did it all together as a brotherhood, and – when that pat, when we surpassed that mark against Arkansas, that was just that secondary stage to say, okay, 
let's go ahead and finish this race and run through this line and get this thing done. And we did that. I, I'm going to say the same, David. You know, that Florida game was a, the first game of the season was Syracuse. And then you didn't know how really good they were until they beat Michigan. And then you're like, okay, we're pretty good. And you beat Florida, though. Man, you know I can, we, we can win the next championship. We know <laughs> we told y'all we were good. We t- yeah. it was a, it was almost like I told you. Now you know, and, and nobody was still giving us that respect. And then all of a sudden, yeah. we beat the crap out of Georgia in Georgia. And our next test is Arkansas, and we're the number one team in the country after beating Georgia. Yeah. And it's the first week we're ever number one. Arkansas is ranked number ten. It's the best. It's the eight o'clock game on ESPN, and everybody in the country is watching. Everybody. And I never thought we would lose the game. I always thought we had a chance to come back and win the game. I never thought after beating Florida, I didn't think we were going to lose anybody after that. And after coming back and winning against Arkansas, let me tell you something. Okay, we've been tested and tried twice in one season. And you look at the rest of your schedule, and it's like, hey man, I don't think y'all want to see us right now because we we really <laughs> get ready to about us going forward. It, it's it's gonna we're gonna mollywop y'all now because. We felt like we were a better football team than Arkansas. They shouldn't even been in the football game with us. Not saying that they're not a good football team and they weren't, you know, they have a lot of good athletes on their team. They weren't a better football team than us. They just had a great game plan in that game, and they yep. won some one-on-one battles that usually we don't lose. That's right. And that was, you That's know, right. that was the case of it. You look at their running game during that game, and they didn't run the ball very well, you know, throughout the most of the game until they yep. start throwing the ball deep. And most teams didn't even try to throw the ball deep on us because of Dion. And yeah. it just so happened we're in we're caught in cover three and there's no help. Yep. There's no help for yep. Steve Johnson on the outside. And he's going up against a receiver who's six four. Steve Johnson's six yep. feet tall. If if that. Yep. So you know, they caught they called a few plays that were just the right play to call at the right time. And they did the one thing that no other team did against us. As the game started, they just went deep. They did. It took all they early. Thought, okay, we're going to try to hit them overhead immediately. And that's how they jumped out on us. If you can recall, the, the score was 21 to like seven at halftime. Yep. They only scored three points in the second half. Yep. 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 I, I, yep. I want to circle back for a second. We talked about you cutting down trees and making your own yeah. dumbbells uh, out of whatever you could find and your own workout equipment after whatever you could find. When you when you go into an actual football practice that following year, mm-hmm. um, was that actually easier than what you were doing in your backyard and cutting down trees and stuff? I was like, it's like this is refreshing compared to what I've been doing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Yeah, it was it was way easier because uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because I used every defensive player that was in front of me. I looked at them as a tree. So because for a whole year, that's all I seen was trees. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about we had eight acres of land. I probably took two and a half acres of that land and I made a huge option course out of it. So about an acre of it, I chopped down a lot of trees. The other acre I left up and that acreage uh, was more of my run in and run out. I had a little area where my stepfather had uh, one of our work tractors. And I had dug out an area of kind of roughed it up, kind of like tilled it up, but it was kind of like my trench to run through. Um, so I would wet that area down and I would do uh, high knees through that area, just trying to create some sort of dynamic of slushy and mud. Cause I used to look at the film of uh, Lambeau field back in the early 50s, 60s when those fields were muddy and wet. And I figured, okay, if those guys ran on that and it was a hard time, maybe that'll help my training. So I did that over in that obstacle zone. And then, over on the flip side, I had a dry, a dry course where I would work in and out of the, the trees. My, my older brother, who was a running back, and I idolized him, and he idolized uh, uh, Tony Dorsett. So he was like, hey, if you can learn the spin move in and out of these trees, that'll help you. He said, you're going to be a big kid, but if you can learn the spin move with your size and some agility, he said, man, that's going to be huge for you. So at that point, I started looking at, who were the bigger running backs in the collegiate world at that time? Jerome Bettis was my number one guy that I started watching. And then it led to uh, me keeping an eye out on some of the other guys in the league, you know, Christian Okoye and some of these other guys. So I was like, man, these guys are big guys. I was like, but I couldn't find no film work at the time. It wasn't so easily accessible as it is now to find any kind of VHS on Christian Okoye's workout or nobody like that. So I said, okay. I'm just going to look at what I've seen the clips of Tony Dorsett doing. I'm just going to try to idolize that in a big man role and work in the dry zone on my track and work in the wet zone on my track. And so I, I had three footballs that I used. One was I kept it soaked in a water tumbler uh, with oil in it. That way it symbolizes a wet ball, a slick wet ball. And then I had a dry ball, and then I had a ball that I used for, uh, for uh, passing balls to myself. So I'll throw a ball. And I'll run under a ball and work on passing to myself when there was nobody to throw to me. So to answer your question, to go back to your question, when I finally got there the following year, it was so easy because everybody was a tree. Whenever I ran the ball, I ran the ball zigging and zagging and cutting spins. And it's like, I never forget the head coach was like, Phil, I've never seen a big guy come in as a ninth grader spinning and and running folks over the way that you did. He's like, man, you, we definitely need you at, at, as our running back right now. He said, but what we're going to do is put you down to our tight end because your hands and your route run is what we need most and the blocking on the edge. And so all of the work that I put in for the whole year at running as a running back, I was converted to a tight end my very first year uh, when I played in ninth grade. <laughs> so everything that, I worked, everything that I worked on, Established me for what was to be, which is a future hall of, uh, which is a future uh, fullback uh, at the collegiate level. Well, yeah, but even that worked out because you probably had a better feel and understanding for the overall running box. I would think playing a little bit of tight end. 
Absolutely. Yeah. No, it definitely helped helped me out tremendously because through like I said, through that whole year, just trying to understand the running back role, I learned the the basics. Um, but when I got there and got a chance to understand blocking schemes and transitions from how to hit a hole, where to hit a hole, where's the A gap, where's the C and the D gap, that right there it opened up my my perspective a little bit more to kind of add to my athleticism. So it basically engaged me to use my peripheral a little more than what I had thought that I was using in the year prior to. So it gave me a chance to understand the schematics of the blocking as well as what it takes when I am in there as a tight end slash running back to help my team be successful. So it definitely broadened my perspective a whole lot as I was still in the process of learning the game of football. Phenomenal. Great stuff, Fred. Anything else you want to add? Um, uh, you haven't tackled trees, um, but, <laughs> but I, I tell you what, um, that, that is just uh, unbelievable from start to finish on, on how you became not just a, a Tennessee football player, not just a champion, also played in the NFL. You didn't even play till the high school and you're hitting trees. That's just one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. And, and the funny thing about it, Dave, my mom always reminds me, even to this day, uh, I just took on her first cruise last week, but she said, uh, she always bugs me. She's like, when are you going to come and get all your all your memorabilia? I said, I'm going to get it, Mom. I said, I want you to hold on to it. She's like, well, I got tons of it. She's like, I still have that one tree that you left. It's still back there in the backyard. So I still have one of those big trees that I had uh, as one of my obstacle barrels. I still have it back there in the backyard. It's a little dry rotted now, but it still lays in that same area uh, where I had a lot of them stacked up. It's crazy. <laughs> that's, that, that's awesome. You know, I, I want to just bring up the national championship game. And, you know, we have played against Florida, played against, you know, Nebraska the year before, and played against, you know, uh, Arkansas, which is a tough game. What was – I just want to know my thought process when we played Florida State. You know, everybody talked about it, and we knew how good they were for us talent and everything. But one thing I didn't realize or didn't understand when we played them, I thought they were like a lot. I thought it was going to be more like Florida. Like, you know, where they were just tough and strong. And not saying they weren't tough. They had a lot of fast athletes. But I felt like we played against them like Nebraska played against us. Yes. As far as the physicality yes. goes. Because yes. they, I mean, they, don't get me wrong, offense, defensively, that defensive line they had was one of the best you could go find. It's linebackers that will pop you. But I felt like. Top seven. Yeah, their top seven was strong. Oh, it was strong. And that secondary wasn't, wasn't no slouches either. Now, them boys all played yep. in the NFL too. Yep. But I felt like when we played against them, it felt like us playing against Nebraska, just the opposite. Because yep. physically, they should have been in the game. Physically, we were wearing their butt out. And yep. that, I think, I don't think they saw that or thought, you know, that we were going to be that much more physical than they were. And we, I, I mean, when it comes to the offensive line, yep. hey, man, they didn't want it. Yep. I'm being honest. They, no, yep. they, that quarterback was back there running for his life. And he yep. was just so happy to have enough, get, you know, get up and go that he could make a few things happen to stay in the game. But, man, that offensive line was a lot softer than what I thought it would have been. And defensively, yep. for us, we were like, man, they, they don't have a chance. They're not going to They're not gonna beat us. I know on the offensive side of the ball, can you just tell me what it was like going up against those guys on the defense? Because they had – those guys could play. 
Yeah. Well, you know, the whole the whole week prior to, or the whole two weeks prior to us even going out to the Arizona, we was already starting to prepare ourselves. Uh, you know, Randy Sanders had the running backs, had us all kind of mentally on where we needed to be as a running back core. Uh, the, the position coaches, you know, with quarterbacks and linemen, they was constantly talking about exactly how we needed to execute against their front seven. I mean, very fast. The I don't know if they were number one or if we were number one, but they were highly ranked front seven, uh, fastest, probably the fastest in the country. Uh, when you look at the, the whole, you know, set, set seven right there, but, um, you know, and the talent they had. So one of the, the emphasis was, you know, guys, we've got to execute on run blocks. You can't just, you know, barely cover up a guy. These guys are too quick. They're not going to give up a lot of ground. They're going to take ground, but they're not going to give up a lot of ground. So one of the emphasis was for our linemen to really zone block up and really stay on that block a little longer really push and really search. And so I remember them running or I remember a coach uh, sliding our running backs back a half a, a half a, a half a yard. That way now we allowed the offensive line to really engage on their front seven and really try to zone up to those linebackers to give, you know, uh, cheese and, and see, and Travis Stevens, you know, a, a little bit more of a gap space in terms of running. And so you're not running up on the offensive linemen and the block zone block. So I just remember stressing the emphasis a lot of it on – or excuse me, I remember them stressing the emphasis a lot on, you know, how we needed to form fit, you know, and play the game hard. It's going to be a long game. It's not going to be, you know, done or, you know, done in one quarter. You know, just be prepared to bring the fight to them and bring the fight for 60 minutes. And I think that was our mentality the whole time. Like, hey, these guys can't outplay us. You know, we're 12-0 and 0 for a reason coming into this game. These guys would not outplay us. These guys I already have a loss, by the way, if I'm not mistaken. I think they either have one or two losses. Yeah. So in our mind, as an offense, we're like, hey, we're not going to be denied. We've already went through our test one and test two. And mm-hmm. if this is going to be test three, we're going to defeat them. And we, it's not going to be hands down. It's going to be – it's not going to be a decision. We're going to really do our job. And so if you remember in the game, the first quarter was kind of a back and back on both squads. You know, um, it was a battle on offense, a battle on defense on both sides of the field. And if you remember, it was no scores, if I'm not mistaken, 0-0 all the way through the first quarter. And it wasn't until the second quarter is when things turned, turned around. And for me, that play on special teams, because I remember I was there on special teams, but we had to punt the ball off to them. And I want to say it wasn't Peter Work. It was uh, Reggie was Dirt. Received? Reggie Dirt. Reggie Dirt. Oh, my gosh. So, so we had they had two of the most phenomenal returners in the game, so Durden and uh, and Peter Ward. And I remember looking down there, and I was I told David Le- uh, Leverton, I said, "Look, I said it's Reggie back there. I said, man, you know he's going to hit sideline. Peter likes to go up the middle. I said, so Reggie's going to be sideline. And I never forget when David when Dave kicked that ball, he punted that ball. Uh, he hit it down the sideline, man. He he took it. I want to say about fifty yards, sixty yards, or whatever. But yep. I was so glad. <laughs> that it was a personal foul on them by roughing the kicker. Because that right there was the determining factor. They kind of had momentum in that moment. Mm-hmm. And we stole that momentum whenever we had to um, – whenever that, that, that penalty was up because they gave our offense another chance to get back on the field and kind of crack the ice. And the moment our guys got back on the field, you can just see we started mashing the ball, started throwing the ball down the field. I think we missed the field goal, if I'm not mistaken. We moved yeah. it all down. We didn't score seven, but we, we missed the field goal with Jeff Hall. But it still seemed like we had the edge. The moment that things turned from that punt to that personal foul uh, on them roughing the kicker, 
that was this, the turning stage of what I felt like for me in the offense that, okay, we got this game. It's going to be a 60-minute game, but we're going to complete it, and we're going to have all the breaks go our way, and we're going to dominate. And sure enough, that's exactly what we did. We kind of took the will out of them as if, um, you know, they were coming in like, hey, we're the fastest team, we're the best team, and we're going to beat them. And we gave them a little strategy of what uh, Nebraska did to us um, the year prior. Yeah. 13-0. I can't believe it's yeah. been 25 years. Uh, Celebrate 98 brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. Again, tncidercompany.com. Use the promo code HAT and you'll get a uh, free hat with any purchase. You can get that fantastic cider um, most anywhere in the United States of America. Philip, I can't thank you enough. That's a uh, super, super cool story about how you, you went from being alone in your neighborhood to one of the best football players on your high school team, a champion, an NFL player. It's just crazy. I think it just goes to show God has a plan. Absolutely. Definitely has a plan. And um, those are the things where, you know, when I sit back and look at it, um, you know, being reminded by family members and friends, it's like, hey, you know, you got a chance to play at an elite level collegiately. Uh, with some of the best players, and some of those players are still your brothers. He said, and you guys have such a great bond to this day. A lot of people are are envious to how how close all of us are, and, uh, and I think it's just a special time. Every time I get with Deuce, every time I get with Al Wilson or you know T Martin or whoever it is, even Peyton Man. I mean, anytime I'm around my guys, man, it's a, it's a genuine love, and that's something that you know we put in many summers <laughs> there in Knoxville and we actually built a nucleus that was a successful nucleus there and uh we got things done and that right there you can hang your hat on knowing that you did it with some great guys that you can you know call your brothers from here on out awesome. because the one thing when we were doing those workouts and all those things together you held each other accountable absolutely and i know for a fact that as a grown man if i'm not getting my job done not doing what i'm supposed to do my teammates are going to hold me accountable. They'll call you, get on your butt. Hey, man, what's up with you? Hey, man, I heard you did such and such. What are you thinking? You know, that's how we all talk to each other. And we and you can respect it because the one thing we had on our football team was that mutual respect of if somebody came to me with something, that must have been – he must be telling me the truth because he wouldn't tell me no lies. He's going to hold me accountable, and I'm supposed to listen to it. And I think it helped us all become better men too. Because we can take constructive criticism because we had to take it from our own teammates every day in workouts and running stuff and practice, all those type of things. And I think that's one of the things that helped me as a grown man to be, you know, to get to the point in my life where I am now. Yep, absolutely. He's Fred White. I'm Dave Hooker. Phil, thanks for the time. Thank you. Um, Thank you guys for having me. That was just, uh, that was great stuff. Uh, Again, Celebrate 98 brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.